many brands age themselves because they lock into one idea yeah. and they stick with it for too long instead of evolving. Today's guest in CMO Talk is Ian Stewart, Chief Marketing Officer at Tom's. This is CMO Talk, the podcast. Marketing discussed at the highest level. CMO Talk is sponsored by our valued partner, Adobe. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to CMO Talk. My name is Klaas Weimer, professional marketer, founder of Agency Energize and podcaster since 2008. In this monthly show, we unravel the secrets of world's marketing giants. Indeed we do. And I'm Adam Fields and I'm a stand-up comedian. And uh, when it comes to marketing, my big question is, is why? Why do we do marketing at all? What's its purpose? Hopefully Ian is the person to tell me. So yeah, today we are honored to have Ian Stewart as our guest. Ian has been responsible for the brand strategy of some of the world's most iconic brands, including MTV, Coca-Cola, Converse, Uggs. And now he's responsible for the brand reset of shoe brand Tom's. Indeed, impressive. And today we're talking to Ian about what it takes to make a brand iconic, but more importantly, what it takes to maintain that status. So what does it take to build an iconic brand and how do you keep the flame alive? Answers to these and many more questions right here in CMO Talk. Uh, Ian, a very warm welcome to the studio. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be coming to you from Santa Barbara, California and and diving into the mysteries of the marketing world. Mm, Nice to have you. So Ian, uh, you started as uh, CMO at Tom's only only two years ago, yeah? But um, Tom's took off uh, 16 years ago uh, as a well-known example of of a purpose-led brand with excellent customer service with a charismatic leader, uh, Blake Mykowski, if I say that right. And uh, at the time, it was it was right for the fashion world, and it was an iconic brand. So, what's the actual backstory of the of the whole brand? Can you maybe just yeah. tell us briefly? Tom's is a beautiful brand, absolutely, and, and you nailed it when you said that it's a you know has purpose at the center. It was one of the first brands to to launch with purpose in mind from the beginning. A lot of brands these days are kind of catching up, saying that they want to become purposeful or they want to be more purposeful. And how do we how do we put purpose into our brand? Blake Blake started the brand um, when he was traveling in South America and saw a really big opportunity to put shoes on the feet of, of children who didn't have shoes. And he came back to California and said, I'm going to start a, a footwear company. Um, and what I'm going to do is every shoe I sell, um, I'm going to give a pair of shoes to children in other parts of the world that that don't have shoes. So he he pretty much invented the one-for-one model 16 years ago. And I think a combination of that, he, as you said, he's he had huge charisma. Blake is an incredible, incredible man, very, very convincing and, and very tapped in and dialed into the the fashion set over here in, in in the US. And the shoe itself, the Alpagada, which he was inspired by the, the slip-on shoes of South America, uh, was was on trend as well. So it was the, that perfect sort of intersection of of people saying, gosh, here's a brand doing good. And when I buy a pair, he's giving a pair and the shoes got a good cool style and, and Blake looks like an incredible person. And and all, that combination really just took the brand off. It went from zero to, to to nearly $500 million in a very short space of time and really captured the imagination of the world, both from a fashion point of view, but also just the purpose. And before you knew it, you know, brands like Warby Parker would, you know, buy a pair of glasses, give a pair, Bombas, buy a pair of socks, give a pair. Now the one-for-one model is is absolutely ubiquitous. So that's, that's, that's been, the back. It's been copied a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and Blake did a good good job of, of being open source. He he was happy to to guide and, and coach and advise any brand. Really, uh, he wasn't territorial about it because he figured the more brands doing good, the better the world will be. So, I think there was a lot of altruism as well in the whole approach to kicking the brand off. So you could say that that Tom's was an iconic brand. So what happened to the status of Iconus? Yeah, gosh, well, I mean, the company grew to to massive heights, and then it declined, and. Um, You know, two two three years ago, it went into near bankruptcy and a variety of changes of ownership and Blake exiting to go off and do a different different purpose driven business um, was the opportunity that we were all brought in as footwear people to take a look at the brand and reset it. You know, so and I'm sure we'll get into the details of that. But the first thing we did was to say, you know, why did it go down? <laughs> what what caused it to go up and what caused it to go down and and what's left. With its brand image and and product reputation and and where where is the world up to with giving, and the brief we were given by the, the new owners is go for the overhaul. You know, t don't don't leave any stone unturned, and mm. and that's what we did. Nice. Just one step back. Um, what makes a brand iconic? That's that's one of the reasons. Hopefully, that they had tapped me on the shoulder to to come in and help because I, I I've had a really fortunate career where I <clears throat> I started with Coca-Cola, as you mentioned, and, and spent a bunch of time there over in Asia. Uh, and then I worked for MTV for nearly a decade. Uh, and then I went to Nike with with Converse and and, and then most recently before this this role at, at UGG. And so I've been really fortunate to have always worked for brands that are regarded as iconic. They're, they're all brands that everybody knows. I don't have mm. to explain who Coca-Cola is or MTV is or Nike. Nike is, but what I learned along the path of that career is that some brands remain iconic for a very, very, very long time. And there's a reason for that. Coca-Cola is 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 you know a very long icon brand. Converse is over 100 years as an icon brand, but there are other icons like MTV. I, I joined at the absolute height of MTV's. Just it was the coolest brand in the world. It was the only place you'd go for discovering music. It was a community. It was vibrant. Uh, and then 10 years later, it, it wasn't the same brand, and mm. for a variety of reasons, it had moved away from music, which was its core as a brand, the M in, in MTV is music television. And the brand had evolved to become more of the TV in MTV, mm -hmm. more of a television channel and station. And I think that it lost what it was, the thing that made it iconic, which was the music. Yeah. And and that's that's kind of why it, it drifted. Whereas I think if a brand really knows what makes it iconic and sticks at that, and, and you can refine what makes you iconic to, to remain contemporary and modern, but knowing at the heart of a brand what it is that makes it an icon Is, is is critical and that, But that was, wasn't that problematic with uh, Tom's because yes. you had one hero product the uh, you call it a hero product in marketing yeah. marketing terms because yeah. everything has to sound like it's war against other brands so you call it a hero product the alpagata so right. it was it was based around that and then wasn't that the problem that you were stuck with that how do you go beyond that one product as a brand yeah yeah so the, the the brand was famous for giving it was famous for one for one it was famous for blake and it was famous for a silhouette or, or style called the alpagata uh, and that's what kicked the company off and that's that's what remained the, the ingredients for those 16 years but the world had changed uh you know the one for one model was ubiquitous uh, partly because of blake so everybody was doing it so it wasn't a differentiator more and more brands were becoming purposeful uh fashion trends change all the time so a low profile slip on might be in fashion one year and five years later everybody's wearing chunky boots so you need to to evolve your product portfolio to reflect the the, the current trends 
And what we found coming into the company, almost coincidentally, we all joined, well, some of the, the new team joined in, in 2020, right when the pandemic hit. And then you think about the pandemic and how that was a time for, we all went in, 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 in inside, so it was a time for reflection. Particularly in the US, there was a lot of social upheaval. There was a lot of um, new conversations around supporting communities. So, so it was a really interesting time where, as we were analyzing and understanding whether the one-for-one -one model was still relevant, mm -hmm. the world was shifting rapidly in, in a new direction. So we we used that opportunity to say, "Gosh, Tom, Tom's might be famous on the surface for one-for-one, -for -one, but what it's actually famous for is doing good. So, can we update the doing good piece?" by moving away from what you would say is it's it's DNA or it's what made it iconic, which is one for one. And what we said is no, 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 one for one's a tactic. It's the doing good that's the core of the icon. So we made a big, bold move to change the way we give, uh, to move towards giving one third of our profits, which is a different model. Instead of like buying a shoe, giving a shoe, we we, mm. we, we sell lots of shoes and we we take a third of those, those profits and, and, and uh, we how, give it to, to how did charities. People, how did people react? So that's that's a big change. It was a scary internal one because yeah. there were a lot of people saying no, but we're famous for one for one. And we said, well, that's the tactic, the execution. What we're famous for is doing good. So mm -hmm. can we modernize doing good? And it was it was one of those situations where it could have been completely successful or a complete failure. Right. A bold choice. And when we went out in 2021 announcing that we were modernizing our giving approach for these reasons, the world has changed, we were time for reflection, there are different ways to give this transparent way of profits, giving towards less represented communities, uh, such as people of color and the LGBTQ community, we're going to give in that direction. And the response was unanimously congratulating us, particularly Tom is being a pioneer, pioneer of purpose and giving people considered, well, if we were changing, it was for good reason. Why would you invent something and move on unless you had a good reason? So when we went to the press and did interviews and, and talked to industry and stakeholders, yeah. Would you say consumers trusted you then to make those There decisions? was a big amount of trust in Tom's being a brand that truly was born out of doing good. So if we were evolving, it had to be for a reason. So it worked. We we, we refreshed that giving model and, and it spoke to the times that we're living in. It also spoke to how the younger generation want a different sort of giving, giving into communities that aren't represented. So, so that piece of the puzzle... Uh, worked, which is good, but that was only one of the the, the so, pieces. That so, we changed. what what lessons from um, what happened at MTV have you brought to to Tom's, if any? Understanding what it is that truly drives your DNA, because DNA can't change. You know, tactics can change, the way you express yourself can change, but the core DNA, and in MTV's case, music is is the core. Um, at at Tom's, being good, doing good, giving is the core. The tactic of one for one was replaced and modernized with the one third of profit. So understanding the ability to go under the surface of the tactic to see what the D DNA, because the DNA by definition doesn't change, right? Mm -hmm. You don't change your DNA. You no. just change your expression, the shirt you wear, the the hat you wear, the the, the even to a certain extent, the values you, you hold, but your DNA doesn't change. How would you describe the DNA of Tom's? Giving a brand that, that truly, truly we come to work and Part of Tom's does feel like you're coming to work for a nonprofit. Oh. We come to work to sell more shoes, to, to do good and give more. It's, it's, it's integral it's to the, the, the business model, isn't it? It's part of the business model. In fact, before you so, even started making a profit, your you giving was part, was was in the model. It's been described as a caring capitalism. It's very true. Yeah, and it's, it's it seems it's, 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 it seems like a contradiction in terms. 
isn't it, it? It's, it, it's, it's, it's easy to say words like that. And then you come inside the company. And as I said, it really truly feels, and I have worked yeah. for, for a number of years at a nonprofit and I sit on several nonprofit boards now. It feels like you're working for a nonprofit. Right. What's interesting about that caring capitalism is you have to get both right. You can't just care and forget to sell. Mm. And that can also be one of the mistakes with purpose-driven companies is that they, they, they focus so much on the giving because mm. they think that the selling is the dirty thing. But actually, it's not. What we say is we have to sell. The more we sell, the more we give. And that's where the one-third of profits is a great model because it, it allows us to say we're not af- afraid of adding revenue. We want to because sure. we can give more. When did you actually realize you were on the right track with a new strategy? Straight away. We, we we did a lot of press announcements and outreach to our wholesale partners and and the industry and consumers through April 2021. And everybody said, as I said, coincidentally, it was a time where there was a lot of upheaval in the world anyway, that this was the right thing to do. So we, we, we knew. We, we knew straight away that it was it was the right way to do it. Uh, we've had a lingering few people in the in the depths of the index say, why would you walk away from something you're famous from for? But as I said, deep down, we knew that that's not our DNA. That's the tactic. The DNA is giving. So, right. so even though you've diversified give. into into coffee, clothing, and eyewear, you still feel like you're, you're true, to, true to the values of the company. Yeah, that was something that Blake had done to diversify. We've scaled back. We're a footwear company. Uh, so mm-hmm. our focus is footwear. And, and it's, that's an interesting segue because the other part of the overhaul of the company was the product portfolio because the company was only a one style really you know brand which was that alpagada and that alpagada went out of fashion mm-hmm. and you can't force people to wear things that aren't in fashion so yeah. uh, we have a wonderful ceo magnus wedhammer and he he's a multi-decade veteran from brands like nike in in product creation so he updated the iconic silhouette to make it modern and more comfortable but he also extended it into to more relevant fashion iterations and extensions so the second leg on the table was you know first leg was modernize the giving approach the second leg on the table was modernize the product to make people want to wear a shoe that's in in style <laughs> yeah sure in in cmo talk we always ask our guests uh, a couple of statements and here's the first one for you uh, ian building a brand doesn't have to mean that you don't modernize but when you're not sure you're on the right path you can get lost easily mm-hmm. this brings me to the very first statement Bra- brand building is about a consistent concept not an idea i'd love one of my favorite words is consistency and i think consistency leads to repetition and repetition leads to memory and so therefore a brand that's always changing will never sink it sink its story in because you need to be consistent and you need to be repetitive but it's knowing what you have to be consistent with and knowing what you can change so at converse we knew that creativity through the lens of music art and skate was the dna that needed to be consistent but how you express that music could change because music tastes change. Mm. So it would be silly for you to lock into one band and stick with that band for 10 years. You need to understand that music is the core idea for consistency, and then you evolve that each year. And that's how a brand remains young. And that was another thing that many brands often don't do. They age themselves because they lock into one idea and they stick with it for too long instead of evolving rolling stone magazine was an example where they had to come come back in because it had aged with the with the reader and it had aged with the employees and they'd forgotten that they needed to rejuvenate and regenerate and it's very hard for a brand to go young by stepping back decades it's far easier if every year you keep your brand tweaking towards you know being young being young and that's what we did at converse we'd, we'd reset the music art and skate lens every year so there was never a big radical jump 
we didn't stick with an idea for 10 years and then have to reset by 10 years. Every year we were kind of creeping that along. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's important. Again, knowing what to keep consistent, which is the core, the core concept, and then knowing what to evolve with the times because the times change. Music yeah. tastes and trends change. Yeah. Fashion tastes change. Our, our, the, our outlook on the world changes. Our sentiment changes. You need to evolve as that changes to, to remain relevant. It sounds so simple, right? So find your DNA, stick to it, and uh, be very consistent. But it's also hard. Well, if, if listeners are listening to this talk right now, is it, oh yeah, I just want to be just like Ian. I also want to have an iconic brand, right? Or I want to revitalize my brand. What, what's, your, what's your advice? Where, where to start, basically? The start point of any brand, it doesn't matter if you're selling shoes or, or cement, is knowing who your consumer is at, at a deep level, because that's where you can speak with, with authenticity. If you truly know who it is that's buying you, then that's going to give you the clues to what it is they're looking for. And you can't, for example, say, well, we have three different consumers, so we're going to create three brand stories because you're only one brand. So you need to be able to be confident to say our core consumer is this. You also then can't say, well, our core consumer is anyone between the ages of one and 90 because <laughs> that's everybody, right? So you need to also be able to say who we're not talking to primarily. There, there can be secondary and tertiary audiences, but being really clear on who it is. Um, and, 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 you know, within that conversation, everybody wants to be Gen Z, for example, mm. but be careful what you wish for because Gen Z is a very fickle audience that, that changes all the time and doesn't have any money. So, you know, <laughs> more importantly is, and, and for Tom, is we, our core audience is 25 to 34. So yes, we might sell shoes to people who are 18 years old and, and we definitely wow. sell shoes to people who might be 55 years old, but, wow. and, and they're the periphery That's who quite, can come seems, along. Sounds quite niche to me, yeah. that nine, nine year age gap, age period there. It's very... And that's the marketing target. The oh. commercial target is all the people that buy right. you. Yeah. And you can't confuse who buys you with who you're speaking to. Because yeah. if you speak to your core group and you do it in a way that's 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 not off-putting to people mm. younger and older, they'll come along for the ride. But okay, that's, that's cl- including the 45-year-olds who want to be 34. Yeah. Okay. Talking to you exactly. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Okay. So um, after working at so many brands all these years, uh, you might reflect on your career sometimes, maybe, Ian. I'm I'm, I'm wondering, what what is your legacy as a CMO? What do you want your legacy to be? I'm not ready to to throw down a legacy, um, but I do believe in being consistent and I do believe in uncovering the brand's DNA and I do believe in representing what the consumer wants. So I, I believe all those things all the time. I don't sort of, I haven't evolved that thinking. That's something I learned early on. Um, but one of the things I do believe as a legacy is leaving a brand in a better place when you leave it mm. than when you found it because you're, you're the current guardian of that brand. And if you're talking about a brand like Converse that's over 100 years old and I was there for you know nearly eight years, there were many people before me and there have been many people after yeah. me. But I hope that in the time that I joined and when I left, and not just me on my own, but the team left the brand in a better place. Mm. And so now when I'm at Tom's, I'm thinking if I left today or I left tomorrow or if I left in a year, is the brand better than when we inherited it? Yes, I, th- I think it is. And I think that the, the reason that's important is because it makes you respect your role like you're a guardian of that brand for this point in time and your role is not to obviously take it down and i don't think your role is to is to is to just slipstream it where it is i think it's to evolve it and grow it and make it better and and, and leave it in a better place so i mean if that's a if that's an emerging legacy yeah. then mm, nice yeah. what's your advice for future cmos listening to cmo talk listening to you 
Gosh, I've been lucky to have great mentor bosses. My CMO at Converse, Jeff Cottrell, who I'm still friends with, was a really great mentor and teacher about the importance of establishing what your philosophy of marketing is. And there's not one philosophy. You you have a bunch of things you believe that marketing does, uh, and, and it takes takes deep thought, and, and it probably takes a mentor above you to, to help guide you. But the, the importance of having those principles in your head helps you create a playbook so that when you go to the next job, you, you, you take with you your playbook, which I have a bunch of things that I believe in marketing that, that not every everyone will have different ones, but they're the things that I come in believing and thinking, like what's the DNA, like how can we be useful? You know, th- there's a variety of different things. The other one I, I think that's important for marketing is nothing happens overnight. You need to be patient. Um, and you know, that's one of the things that I spend a lot of time with our, our current owners is it's one thing to have a strategy. It's one thing to then execute that strategy, but it's not going to turn the, the whole thing around overnight. And you, you and I talked about this before, Klaus. Impressions are important. Like, like you need to hit somebody with a message multiple times for it to sink in and for them to realize it's important. And that's why it's important to be consistent. The science of marketing says at least you need to deliver a message at least eight times, if not 10 and ideally 15 times before it really sinks into somebody and for them to then recognize it and register it and decide if it's relevant for them. So yeah, the importance for consistency and repetition to land that story and then be patient are things that I've learned. Nice. Here we actually go for statement number two, Ian, if you're ready. Thomas was well known for its customer service, uh, almost over the top friendly and empathic, but now the focus lies more, as you mentioned, on doing doing good, right? So uh, sharing, contributing to more developed countries brings me to the second statement. Purpose comes for custom, before customer service in building a brand at a global scale. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I don't think many people think deeply about where purpose fits in a brand's narrative. Um, we have been because there are many ways that it can play out. And I think that brand, that anyone who's listening who are in a brand who want to bring more purpose to their brand, it's time to start thinking, where does purpose fit in the narrative? Do you lead with purpose? Do you have equal weight to purpose and whatever the, the product message is? Or do you trail with purpose or, or so-called differentiate? A lot of people would say the world right now requires you to lead with purpose. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's important to be very purposeful, but people don't wear purpose. People wear shirts and pants and shoes. So you need, I believe you need to lead with the product and not forget the importance of product. And that's one of the examples from Tom's is believing that purpose was going to carry the brand forever and you didn't need to evolve the product because people just sort of wanted to, to line up with the purpose. But the, the, the miss there was fashion trends change and people say, I don't wear purpose, I wear shoes and those shoes are not the shoes I want to wear. So you need to put product first. You, you absolutely do because that's what people are ultimately buying and consuming. Does purpose sit beside that? It could do. There are brands out there like Patagonia that I think do a really good job of being equally weighted between product and activism for the environment. Yeah, But I think more likely is that purpose is a differentiator. So if I'm looking at two similar products and one has no purpose message and one has one, um, and I believe in that purpose message, then I'm going to pick that second one. Mm. Assuming it's not 10 times the price, but you know, like for like. So we've turned the Thomas story around and put product first. Make sure we're fashionable. Make sure we're relevant. Make sure we're making things that people want to wear. 
And then we have that additional bonus of a brand that does good. So again, not a lot of people think about this deeply unless you're really down to the the point where you're thinking about message hierarchy, mm. but that's where we landed. It's probably something which is also a trend or a fad marketers would like to embrace. Like everybody wants to talk about purpose, but it's really important that you live it and sweat it and breathe it, right? It's It has to be part of your core being basically as a marketer. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I mean, you hear of the phrases like greenwashing where mm. people, brands are mm-hmm. overly talking about their environmental and sustainability practices when maybe that's not as deep as they're saying it is and then they get called out. Yeah. And there's, there's purpose washing, there's pride washing now, yeah. Uh, yeah. brands jumping into the LGBT yeah. community without true depth of commitment and support. So you've got to be careful. And particularly this day and age with with social media, younger consumers being very savvy and there's a lot of call-out culture. You know, people aren't afraid to call brands out. There are whole mm-hmm. Instagram feeds based around calling do, brands do, do, out. Do you think? Are, do you think young younger generation can can smell BS when they when it, <laughs> when they when it's around? I think we can all smell BS, but yeah. now that the younger generation have more tools to discover the truth, that right. they can go hunting and finding, and then more importantly, they have the broadcast tools to call a brand out whereas in the in the olden days you could probably just tell your neighbor over the fence but now someone can tell tens and hundreds of thousands of people on instagram don't want to miss an episode of cmo talk subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on cmotalk.global Hey, Ian, we, we're going to, with every uh, show, we, we uh, present a number of dilemmas to our guests. And we'd like you to just answer very quickly, give your gut feeling. Just choose one of the two as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Yep. Go. Set. Go. Here we go. What comes first, profit or growth? Profit. Mm. Best price or best service? Best price. Offline or online brand building? Online. Customer or employee satisfaction? Both. (laughs) You're very emphatic about that one. Okay, flagship store or social commerce? Social commerce. Generation X or Generation Z? Gen Z. That's us. We're done. We're done. (laughs) We're history. We're dinosaurs. Which dilemma would you like to talk about more? Uh, they're all they're all very fascinating and interesting. So what, maybe you can jump on the one that you raised your eyebrows the highest, which was I think you mentioned uh, well, customer service customer or employee or customer, satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, there are both employee satisfaction. You mentioned both. You were shortcutting the dilemma. Yeah, <laughs> not really, because I think they're both. It's the same person. I think that we are all customers. We're all employees. We're all family members. We're all friends. Mm. I, I think the sooner we, we we recognize that everybody's important as, as it relates to brand narrative and story, you can't have like one external story and one internal one or worry about mm. your external and not worry about your internal mm. or over-focus on internal because we're all we're all connected. So I, I need to be a brand advocate as an employee, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll come home and tell my family about the brand and then suddenly my wife becomes a brand ambassador to tell her friends. So suddenly her friends become a customer, but it started as an employee. So it's, for me, it's all connected, which is why I said both. Um, well, this but is, I do believe that brands need to yeah. continue to make sure that their internal cultures are, are truly aligned with what they're saying in the outside world. This is this is refreshing because we've heard a lot of people talking about purpose, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, it's about profit-making companies. And you're actually a company who puts it really at the heart of what, everything you do. So it's nice to know that a shoe company can, can have soul. 
if you excuse the pun. <laughs> nice. For sure. That's a good one. And, and also, I was wondering, um, that, that really struck me, best price or best service? Uh, because Tom's was known for the, the most excellent service you can imagine. So as long as customers are happy, Tom's is happy, right? Back in the old days. And you mentioned best price. Why? I think because as you get further into marketing, you realize that it, marketing is not just pretty pictures. Um, it's actually helping. And Adam asked this at the beginning. I'd, I'd like to discover what, what marketing is. Marketing is is building a business. It's about growing a brand and brand's business. It's PL, both top and bottom line. And you need to be accountable for that. You need to be thinking about the economics of, of your business model, which is why if we get to the growth versus profits, it is both, but there's no point growing a company that's not profitable. Um, you, at the you, end you of the day, use... profit is, is the output. But I think price is the ultimate reflection of, yeah. of whether a brand is is going to you know make it in the marketplace. Yeah. Ma marketing a... isn't advertising. They're often confused, no. right? So it's totally yeah. different. Market, advertising is, is a part of marketing, but marketing is creating demand that sells products. And then if you're a responsible business person, you're, you can contribute to making your company profitable. But when it comes to marketing, you use um, a lot of word of mouth advocacy to, to uh, sell your products, don't you? As opposed to other marketing techniques. Is that one of, still one of your main techniques? Me personally or, yeah. or, the, or Tom's? Uh, Tom's. Yeah, I, I mean, word of mouth is, is part and parcel of... Well, it makes your life uh, very easy, doesn't it, as a marketing person? It, if it's, if it does, and in digital, word of mouth is, is, is less like literally the word of the mouth to me, to you, over the back fence. It, it, it's just how you how your reputation carries once it gets out of your control. So, you know, ambassadors and influencers and, and pass-throughs and follow-ons and people telling their friends and stuff like that, that's all part of digital word of mouth, which is, as mm -hmm. I said, what happens to your brand narrative once you've lost control of it? And hopefully it's in a good way and hopefully it's in a scaled way so that lots of people are talking about you, but yes. It's... And how's Tom's doing now after two years of you at the marketing helm? We're doing, we're doing really good. I think that the brand has reset itself and is is growing uh, at the top and the, and at, at the bottom of the PL. We've re-engaged our wholesale partners who grew with us in the early days and had wanted us to modernize the product. So we, when we presented some new seasons of new product iterations and extensions, they were like, thank you. And when we took them through the new giving model, some of them were hesitant because they said, well, gosh, you're famous for this, but we explained to them why it was important to change because we're still giving and being purposeful. We're just doing it in a different way. So that, that's all going really, really well. Ecom was was fantastic for us during the pandemic when everybody was at home. Uh, we're now buckling in to the potential of a recession, which mm. is giving a lot of people anxiety. But it's interesting in a recession, there are two types of products that tend to do really well. They're really expensive and they're relatively cheap because if you can still afford a $3,000 handbag, th th there is no recession. Mm. You're recession proof mm. as a consumer. And if you're a $50 shoe, a lot of people come your way because if they used to buy a 90 or $120 shoe, they're going to go the, for the 50 because it's, it's better value, which is why I said price is so, so important yeah, right. because price will ultimately dictate your perceived or, or actual value. So we're, we, we, our shoes are 50 bucks that our main, our, our main shoes. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're gearing up for a really tough two years ahead. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. Ian, who or what keeps you awake? The above mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> the recession, the, the entering recession. Yeah, I think. Ah. Look, I think the world's exhausted. Honestly, I, I, I think we've we've come out of of so many things, from pandemic to wars to 
potential recessions. And in the business world, you know, the, 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 the knock-on effect of the pandemic with changing consumer behavior, online, offline, supply chain buildups, supply chain shortages, factory overloads, losing containers off ships, um, inventory buildup. It's an interesting time. It's a really tough time and, and there is no playbook. You know, one of the things we talk a lot with our owners about is if we make mistakes along the way, it's because there's no playbook. None of us have ever done this before. None of us have ever handled a crisis because none of us were around for the last war, really. So you look at the general global crises, things like wars and pandemics and, and economic catastrophes, well, we're having them all yeah. right now. Yeah. So, you know, so inspiration is important. Who or what inspires you? I don't define myself only by what I do for my work, and I don't only think about work. I, I, I want to be multi-dimensional. Multi and as I said, I I draw a lot of inspiration from surfing mm -hmm. because I'm I'm out in the ocean and I'm getting in flow and I'm I'm doing something that I love and I am keeping myself healthy, clearing my mind mentally and mm -hmm. feeling spiritually better than I was. So I think that part of my life inspires me for all the other things. Makes me a better family man. Makes me I think hopefully a better worker uh, manager leader beautiful thank you for your time ian and thank you for listening to cmo talk with ian stewart about brand building um so don't want to miss out any episode of cmo talk please subscribe on your favorite podcast channel or very easily on cmotalk.global uh, and then you'll be the first one to know if we have any latest episodes if you have any questions or ideas you're free to send me an email at class at cmotalk.net that's class at cmotalk.net and thank you so much ian for your time thank you ian Nice to okay, well, Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Please visit cmotalk.global for more interviews. The CMO Talk podcast is developed and directed by Energize. Audio, mixing and mastering by voice booking. CMO Talk is sponsored by our valued partner, Adobe.